by God's grace for the next couple months. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood for the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he has lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. This is God's word. Friends in Christ, we have redemption, we have forgiveness of sin, we have grace, and we walk in wisdom. And this is good news for us. As we've seen the past few weeks uh, in the book of Ephesians, Paul is, is laying out before the first century church uh, a new identity of what it means to be in Christ. Time and time again, he speaks of what it means to be in Christ or of Christ. He calls uh, the first century church saints in Christ Jesus, faithful in Christ Jesus, being blessed uh, in Christ Jesus, chosen in Christ Jesus, walking holy and blameless in Christ Jesus, predestined and uh, for adoption in Christ Jesus. Time and time again, we see that uh, the identity of a Christian is, is tied to being in Christ Jesus. Today, we look at what it means to be uh, redeemed, this identity of redemption in and through Christ Jesus. The name redemption is, is obviously the name of this church, and so you'll know today why we uh, have changed the name uh, from the well to Redemption Church, because this is a representation of who Christ is, what he's done for us, and the new identity we have as his people. At its core, the definition of redemption uh, means to be ransomed to be uh, rescued and set free. It's the imagery of uh, somebody being in slavery and then being purchased for freedom. Many of you guys are familiar with the story of Springfield Baptist Church in downtown Augusta. It's the oldest African-American church in the United States. And uh, Springfield is right behind like Mellow Mushroom, you know, off of Broad Street. And in the mid-1800s, Springfield uh, had a pastor named Kelly Lowe. And uh, their pastor was a slave. And under his care, being a slave, he was also able to still be a pastor. And under his shepherding, God grew that church's congregation to 1,600 people. Now, Kelly Lowe uh, pastored his people well. And by God's grace, they were able to gather enough funds to purchase their pastor's freedom from slavery so that he could be uh, their full-time pastor. And uh, Springfield Church uh, became instrumental in the starting of new churches in this area and throughout the state of Georgia. They helped start a college, a famous college in Atlanta. And it's a beautiful picture of redemption is is having having your freedom purchased so that you could thrive in gospel mission. And this is a beautiful picture of redemption that Christ purchases his people and sets them free to thrive in gospel mission. So as we look at redemption today, I want us to look at the personal aspects of redemption because we understand that redemption is is a personal redemption that's experienced in the context of a community of the redeemed on mission with the good news of redemption. It's important for us to understand that as, as being redeemed people, we need to see what redemption truly is. Often we can look at scripture and just gloss over and say, you know, we could just read these verses very quickly and say, in him we have redemption through his blood, but we don't really grasp what redemption is. So over the next few minutes, we're going to look at what it means, uh, I guess, four little facets of redemption being redeemed from something, redeemed to 
something, redeemed by something, and redeemed for something. Redeemed from, redeemed by, redeemed to, and redeemed for. So if we look at scripture, uh, in verse seven again, we'll, say, uh, we'll see, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he has lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things to him, things in heaven and things on earth. First and foremost, I want us to see what it means to be redeemed from something. Scripture teaches us that that redemption is being uh, set free from bondage. It has this imagery of being forgiven, being released. And we see the scripture tells us time and time again that uh, we are in bondage to sin and also in bondage to the law. And this imagery comes from um, the book of Exodus. When you see in in history, uh, God's people were in bondage and slavery in Egypt and God came down and through his power, through his might, by his grace, by his goodness, he set his people free and took them to a land that he had promised them. In the same way, you and I are in bondage to sin. Sin is any kind of rebellion or or, or thing that would draw us away from God, any kind of rebellion that, that causes us to walk in a manner different to what God would have us do and who he would have us to be. And so we understand that that in Christ and through Christ, by his blood, we have redemption. We are set free from the bondage of sin. We are set free from the bondage of things that would entangle us in rebellion. Paul says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. I want to ask you this. What sin uh, entangles you? I mean, what, what rebellion, how does rebellion play out in your life? I mean, maybe it's actions, maybe some things that you do that you know are, are unhealthy, that are unwise, maybe immoral, unethical. When we read scripture, you say, I know this is what God wants me to do, but I'm going to do something different. That's sin. But sin goes beyond that. Sin is an attitude of the heart. Sin is not only the actions, but it's the affections that we have. So often we'll say, well, I'm not going to do this bad thing, but instead I'll do this other bad thing, right? At least I'm not as bad as that guy over there, but I'm going to be bad over here, but it's not that bad, right? So turning from one sin to another is not true forgiveness. It's not true redemption. It's just being entangled from one thing and then getting released only to be entangled to another. So what is it this, what sin manifests in your life, not only in your action, but in your attitude, in your affections? What is it that, that drives you from day to day? Friends, I want to encourage you that through Christ, we have redemption from our sins. We have forgiveness. We have been released from those things for eternity, yes, but also here and now. You see, to understand having an identity of redemption, that, that, that in Christ we are, we are a faithful saints, in Christ we are forgiven, we are blessed, we are chosen, we are adopted sons and daughters, so that we be holy and blameless, that we have been redeemed, we have to understand that this is an identity that we embrace as God's people, that we no longer walk in the manner of being entangled in sin, that does not define us anymore, but being set free from that, we walk in a manner of being redeemed. In Galatians 3.13, Paul writes this, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. 
Friends, through Christ, by his death, we are set free from the bondage of sin, the eternal penalty of sin, but the sin of how it affects us here and now in our actions and our attitudes and our affections. In Christ, we are free from the bondage. So I want to ask you that question. What sin entangles you and how does it play out in your life? What guilt or shame did you walk in here today carrying? Maybe guilt and shame from the actions of this week? Maybe guilt and shame for the affections of your heart and the attitude of your mind walking in here? What guilt and shame are you dragging in here today? Because friends, the good news of redemption is that in Christ we are redeemed from our sin. Likewise, we are redeemed from uh, the law of having to untangle ourselves from that bondage. But secondly, I want us to see that redemption is not only being redeemed from something, it's being redeemed by something. Because I can sit here and lay out all of these moral rules and and laws for you and say, look, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do that. And if you do those things, that's sin and rebellion, and you need to stop. You need to straighten up. You need to get it together. You need to get yourself out of that scenario. Friends, if I tell you that, I'm not even telling you the gospel. I'm not telling you the good news. You see, the good news of redemption is that we are set free from something, but part of that good news is that we are set free by something. Now, you can be thinking, all right, if I have sin, maybe if I can uh, be a better person, be more moral, be more ethical, be more, uh, maybe walk in wisdom a little better, make better choices, maybe then I will be uh, set free from my bondage. Friends, that's not the gospel. You see, sin entangles us in such a way that we cannot free ourselves that we are stuck in bondage like like a fish caught in a net. There's no way for us to get out. Somebody from the outside has to set us free. Now, I want us to remember that Paul, the apostle Paul is writing this letter to the first century church at Ephesus. Ephesus was uh, was an affluent town. It was a big city. It was a port city, had a thriving commerce, thriving culture, thriving uh, religious practices. It was a very good city to be in. And so Paul is writing to uh, they were not pagan barbarians. Uh, they were affluent uh, commercial business people. They were very uh, devout religious folks. They were, uh, there was actually a school of magic in Ephesus, right? So they had some, uh, you know, a university, so to speak. Save the A, amen. In the first century church at Ephesus, Paul is writing to address not only the sin of their culture, but the idols that would be there as well. So imagine being in the first century, you're in a port city, you have a thriving commerce, thriving business, thriving spiritual culture, thriving religious traditions, and some guy writes to you saying, look, those things are not good enough to set you free. That's what Paul's saying. Paul is saying we need to be redeemed from sin. Okay, we get that. That's what, that's what scripture says. We need to be re- redeemed from sin. We need to be set free from our sin for eternity, yes, and from the present effects of guilt and shame, yes. We need to be set free from that. But Paul says, you know, redemption is also being set free by something. Paul writes that in him, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood. So redemption is the forgiveness of our trespasses being set free from our sin, but also being set free by the blood of Christ. You know, Paul doesn't write and says, okay, spirituality will save you. Good religious tradition will save you. Good uh, money in the bank will save you. Good social status will save you. 
Now, friends, for a first century person in Ephesus, that would wreck their whole worldview, saying, look, you mean, you mean my good business is not going to earn me favor with God? Right. You mean my good religious heritage is not going to put me in favor with the Lord? Right. You mean my good spirituality is not good enough to, to earn me into God's good graces? Right. Friends, the same goes for us today. You see, we have been by uh, Christ, in Christ, by his blood, we are set free from sin by his blood. Scripture says, through his blood, in Christ. You see, we have to understand this part of the gospel, otherwise we don't, we don't really see the gospel. Hebrews 9, 12 Speaking of Jesus says, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. You see, in the first century, uh, a Jewish person would be uh, very familiar with this sacrificial system that was in place, saying, okay, if you're religious in the Jewish system, you have to uh, offer a sacrifice for your atonement, not only for yourself, but for your family, for your village, so to speak. And the writer of Hebrews says, look, Jesus has done that once for all for eternity. You have freedom for eternity because of who Christ is and what he's done for you. Paul writes that in him, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood for the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Now, grace is a powerful word. And I want to encourage you guys to look even into Ephesians chapter 2 where we'll be after Christmas, and we see that it's by grace we have been saved, that it's out of God's storehouse of his own goodness. Grace means unmerited favor. It's something you can't earn. It's out of God's goodness to us because he is good. It's undeserved, unmerited favor from God. You see, friends, we're in bondage to sin, and Jesus purchases us by his blood, not because we're good, but because he's good. It's not like we are in bondage and chains and saying, look how fancy I can dance, Jesus. You should buy me because I'm smart. Jesus, you should buy me because I'm strong. Jesus, you should buy me and set me free because, because I can offer you so much. God, look what would happen if you set me free. I could, I'm so talented. How often do we do that, though? I mean, let's be honest. I mean, we understand that being uh, redeemed means we're being set free from something, but often we'll, we forget that we're set free by the blood of Christ, in Christ, through his blood. Because how many of you woke up this morning saying, you know, I need to put on a good face. I mean, things are hard right now, but I need to put on a good face. I need to dress well. I need to, uh, you know, put my best foot forward today. I mean, you'll probably do that tomorrow. I mean, obviously, when you go to work, you want to do your job well, but, uh, but it's very performance-driven because you've you got to do right, otherwise you'll get the ax, right? And so that mentality fits into our, our faith oftentimes because we, we think we need to perform in order for God to approve of us. But the good news of the gospel, the good news of redemption, is that we are set free not because we are good, but because God is good. We are set free through Jesus' blood, not our spirituality or tradition. We are set free by the riches of his grace, not the merit of our own performance. Now, friends, that's good news. That's good news. Because the gospel sets us free from the bondage of guilt and shame because we have forgiveness from our sin. 
But the gospel sets us free by the blood of Christ. This is good news because it's God's grace toward us, not our own performance and merit. So I want to ask you, how does this play out in your life? Are you trying to redeem yourself by doing better, trying harder, walking in a straighter line? Are you trying to be more moral, more spiritual? Is pride bubbling up within you because of the tradition or culture from which you come? Friends, let me encourage you that in the gospel, we are set free from sin and we are set free by Christ, in Christ, through his blood, by his grace. And may we respond by humble worship and faith toward the Christ who redeems us. But thirdly, I want us to see not only that redemption is from something and redemption is by something, but also redemption is to Christ. You see, Jesus doesn't just set us free to just go wild, right? He isn't like, okay, you're in bondage. Let me set you free. Now fly, little bird. Jesus doesn't do that. You see, Jesus sets us free so that we would walk as his people with his people. If, if Jesus sets you free just to, to just take off in the wilderness alone, then I, I would say that you're not really redeemed. Because the nature of redemption is being purchased for freedom, but redemption also means being purchased into something else. Now, the imagery is hard for us here in the South, uh, particularly this imagery of slavery, but it's being purchased from the bondage and chains of one slavery into the servitude of another. Okay, so it would be like being um, purchased, for instance, Pastor Kelly Lowe of Springfield Baptist Church in 1860 being purchased out of slavery to serve a family to be set free to serve God's church. I mean, his people gathered enough funds to purchase him so that he could continue doing ministry and thriving in the gospel that God had called him to serve in, thus starting numerous new churches in Augusta and throughout Georgia and starting a college in Atlanta. In the same way, when Christ purchases us by his blood, it is purchasing us from sin, guilt and shame, from that bondage, purchased by uh, his blood, um, by his grace, so that we would walk in freedom with Christ and with his people. You see, the story of redemption is not a personal story, although it's part personal, it's a, it's a community story. It's a story of God redeeming people, not just individual persons. Jesus is redeeming, setting free people to gather them for himself. Like Titus 2.14 tells us that Jesus gave himself to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people, a people for his own possession. First Peter 2.9, you were a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. This is why Jesus redeems us. He sets us free from sin by his blood and grace to uh, his people and his kingdom. Reminds me of a story I heard once of a little boy who lived in a little lake community, right? It's like 12 or something. He's hanging out with his dad and his father, uh, and he to bond, start building a, a little toy boat together. And it's like a, I guess, like a little model ship or something. And so the father buys everything needed, and, and he and the son together put together this boat. And, and, you know, day by day, they would go out on the lake and, and just sail the little toy boat and then bring it back, go back inside, right? Well, one day, the little boy is sailing the boat that he and his father had created, and a storm comes and blows the little boat over the horizon, and the kid never sees it again. 
And so heartbroken, he goes back to his father and says, God, uh, Father, the, the ship you and I built is gone. I mean, uh, it's gone. A few days later, he and the father are walking through the town and they pass a pawn shop and in the window they see his ship sitting in the window for sale. And they walk inside and the son, 12-year-old son walks in and says, excuse me, sir, that ship in the window belongs to me. I made it. Pawn shop said, no, man, I found it. It belongs to me. I'm trying to sell it. The little boy says, but, but I made it with my dad. It really belongs to me. And the pawn shop owner says, look, man, I can get some good money for that. I found it. It belongs to me. If you want it, you got to buy it back. So after giving it a little bit of thought, the son with his father decide to purchase the boat. The son walks up to the pawn shop owner, gives him the money, buys back the boat that he had made and looks at the ship and says, you were twice mine because I made you and I bought you. Now in the same way, in Christ, we belong to him twice over. God made us and he bought us. We are twice God's. You see, since Jesus uh, by his, through his blood, by his grace, has purchased our freedom, we belong to him all the more. I mean, first of all, he created us, right? You, you look in Genesis, God the Father, Jesus is the Son, the Holy Spirit, they're all there at creation. We've been created by God for his good pleasure, but we get lost, so Jesus comes to buy us back, and we are twice his. It's a great picture of redemption because we are redeemed from sin. We are redeemed by Jesus through his blood, by his grace. We are redeemed for Christ and with his people. And fourthly and finally, I want to say that redemption is not only being from, by, and to, but it's for something. You see, Jesus purchases us for a purpose. We are set free from sin. We are set free by his blood. We are set free to be Christ's possession with his other people. But we are set free, uh, redeemed for the proclamation and demonstration of this good news. You see, Paul says here in verse seven, he says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. You see, Paul says here, look, we have been redeemed through the blood of Christ. We have redeemed, been redeemed from our trespasses uh, by his grace, lavished upon us wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will. Christ is making known to us, his redeemed people, the mystery of his will for a purpose. What is that? Verse 10, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. You see, friends, when Christ redeems us from sin by his blood to himself with his people, he is lavishing upon us the grace of the, of the knowledge and insight, scripture tells us, of his gospel plan, that we may walk with him in that story of redemption. You see, it's the plan of God through Christ to unite all things to himself, things in heaven and on earth, to come back and say, this is my creation, it's mine, I bought it. It's doubly mine. I'm taking it back. 
And so friends, when you are personally redeemed in the context of a community of redeemed people, we are on mission together with this good news. I mean, if you are a Christian, Jesus has given you this understanding so that you may be part of the proclamation and demonstration of this good news. We looked at 1 Peter 2.9 earlier. You are a chosen race, uh, excuse me, <clears throat> a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, right? You're, you belong to Jesus. We, we together are a people for his own possession. But why? That you, plural, you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Friends, if Jesus has drawn you out of darkness, set you free, has redeemed you from darkness, brought you into light, that's with the responsibility that you may proclaim, that you may announce, that you may celebrate, that, that you may, with other believers, remind each other of this good news of redemption. That, that when you get together for lunch afterwards, you say, well, how is, how is the gospel of redemption coming to bear in your life personally? Now, how is this affecting your marriage and family? Tomorrow when you go to work, how does this good news uh, give you a, a step with why you're going to work tomorrow? That's good news to proclaim. And when you get there and you go home today and you see your neighbor who is a total pagan, you know, you, you get home and they're just doing whatever, <laughs> being mean to you maybe, you could love them and, and somehow subtly proclaim what God is doing in your life can come out in very subtle ways. Titus 2.14 also speaks of Jesus giving himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession. Again, we are redeemed from sin and from the law, from guilt, from shame, from pride. We are redeemed by his blood, by his grace. We are redeemed to Christ for his possession with his other people, people plural, to purify for himself a people for his own possession. We belong to Jesus, but why? Who are zealous for good works? Friends, when we are redeemed, it comes with the responsibility to proclaim the excellencies of him who called us and also to display by the good works in which we do to point back to the Christ who's redeemed us. This is all rooted in Christ's actions it's fueled by the future hope that we have an eternal redemption in Christ, but also a present redemption that plays out in our day-to-day -day lives so that tomorrow or, or today when you are tempted with the sin struggles of your heart and your attitude that play out in actions that you can say, look, that's not me anymore. I'm not defined by my sin. I'm defined by the Christ who bought me for freedom. Right? You are not defined by your idolatrous heart. You are not defined by the sin that, that creeps into your mind at 2 a.m. You are not defined by the comparison idol of the person you work with that maybe is getting the promotion, but you deserve it because you worked harder and you're better. You're not defined by that pride anymore. You're not defined by uh, the neighborhood that you live in and maybe you're having a hard time meeting friends and you're like, dude, I just want to be a part of this community and they're saying, no, 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 we're going to keep you at arm's length. You're not defined by that struggle anymore. You belong to Jesus. You're part of his people. You're part of his plan. So how does this play out for us at Redemption Church? I mean, this is the name of this church for a reason. We changed the name from 
some of you guys may know this or maybe you don't, but uh, we started as the Well Community Church for a reason, for a purpose, for a season. And over time, God showed us more and more that Redemption Church better displays, better, is a better representation of who he is and what he's done for us, that we are a people who have been redeemed through his blood by his grace. So Redemption Church is all about experiencing this personal redemption in the context of a community on mission with the good news to proclaim and display this gospel. It's why we're here. It's what, it's what we're about. We're not fancy. We're very basic. But we can point to Jesus that way. So at Redemption Church, what we want to be is... Uh, individuals and couples and families coming together saying, this is how the gospel is is at work within me. I'm experiencing personal redemption from this sin and this idol, this struggle, and I'm trying to remind myself that I'm not defined by my job or by my bank account or by my social status or by my educational resume. I'm defined by Christ. And so we do that personally in the context of a community and couple ways we do that. We have uh, a worship gathering like this where we all get together and we proclaim the excellencies of him who redeemed us. We proclaim that uh, back to him as we, as we worship in song, as we worship in reading, as we, as we worship in praise together. We are proclaiming uh, the, the good news back to God. I mean, he knows it, but it's just beautiful for us to, just to sing out his praises. We proclaim that good news over each other as we sing these songs over one another, as we have these readings aloud. I mean, to to hear you remind me of the gospel as I'm standing in the back and I hear you uh, proclaiming the gospel through singing, it it just, it soaks into my mind, into my heart, into my soul, because God is using you and and each other's lives, using each other in each other's lives, right? So we experience personal redemption in the context of community, corporate gatherings like this, missional communities, times to get together in each other's homes. If you're not in a missional community, we want to get you in one. Uh, We want to help you. So see the guest services table. We want to get you connected with other believers in a home where you can do some life-on-life action a little bit together and share how the gospel's at work and then uh, bring the gospel to bear through community relationships and and out into the, the community at large. We have DNA groups, which are groups of two, three, four, maybe, where you get together and just share some heart issues. I, I share uh, my sin and idol struggles in my heart with, with a handful of guys in this church, and they bring the gospel to bear. I just want to encourage you with that. Because in Christ, we have redemption from sin, from idols, from guilt, from shame, from burdens that are taxing and ungospel related. We have redemption from those things. We have redemption uh, by, in Christ, through his blood, by his grace. We have redemption to Christ for his possession and with his people and his kingdom. And we have redemption for the purpose of proclaiming and displaying this good news. That's great, isn't it? I mean, can, can you imagine what would happen if we, if we internalize this in our hearts and minds and we say, look, this is, this is the truth Let's apply this. Can you imagine how that would drastically change your life personally? How that would drastically change the life of each other in this room? How that would drastically change the lives of those in your missional community and DNA groups? Can you imagine the impact of a handful of people applying this? The impact that would have on this city? It'll blow my mind. So God's up to something. Let me pray. Father God in heaven, Lord, I thank you. 
I thank you for the good news of redemption that we have in Christ. The good news that we are free from sin, from idols, that we are free uh, by your grace, by your blood in Christ. And uh, God, that we are free uh, to be your possession with each other in community, proclaiming and displaying this good news to each other and to uh, a lost world that needs to know this good news. God, I pray that within our hearts and minds you would stir up conviction. God, that we would repent, that we would turn from our sin, from our idols, God, that we would rest in you, Jesus, that we are no longer defined by the guilt and shame of our past, that we are no longer defined of the pride and idols of our current uh, present struggles, and Lord, that we are uh, eternally defined by who you are and what you've done for us, Jesus. God, I pray that this reality of the gospel of redemption would would ring true in our hearts and in our minds, that our uh, attention and affection would be drawn toward you and together as your people, that we would be quick to repent and quick to believe and embrace and walk in faith of the truth of this good news. God, I pray that in all things, in all things, you would receive all the glory and praise that we would receive great joy as your people resting in you. We belong to you. What good news that is. And God, that we would be ignited with a passion to proclaim and display this great news of redemption. God, we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.